Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Tablespoon of water and an ant or two. And uh, just to feel the moisture in my mouth, on my lips. That little bit. That helps. All right, how many of you are glad this morning that we provide bottled water and don't make you go make your own outside, right? Yeah, man, yeah, man, I'm loving bottled water more all the time after I see that. Well, we've been uh, talking about the dry times for three weeks. I'm ready to get out of the dry times, start talking about the good times, right? But we've been talking about the dry times for three weeks, and I hope I haven't preached you into a dry time. I hope that this was just all preparation and, and, and we haven't preached you there. But uh, what I wanted to do was to teach you some very practical lessons about how you go through dry times and you survive the dry times, but not only dry, survive the dry times, but you become productive during the dry times. That's been our goal. That's been our, our plan. And so I know you've heard this over and over and over again, but uh, you're going to go through dry times. They're inevitable, so you might as well get ready. And so we've been teaching these lessons, lessons from the wilderness, uh, survival lessons, and I just want to recap them very quickly for you. There were nine of them. In case you miss a week, you're going to have to write really fast because we got a long ways to go this morning because we're going to move off of survival lessons onto the top 10 survival tips that will help you get through the, the dry time. So let me just remind you about the lessons we learned. Number one, we learned that wilderness is not a location, it's a condition. So you can go and move somewhere else and think you get away from the dry times, but the reality is it's in you, it's not around you. The second lesson I taught you is what I just said, wilderness is common to everyone. doesn't matter who you are, you will go through dry times spiritually at some point. Lesson number three, if you stay in the wilderness too long, guess what? You will die there. This is one stop on the journey. It's not the final stop. It's just one season of your life. You're not supposed to set up residence there. You're just supposed to stay there long enough to learn the lesson and move on. Survival, lesson number four was the wilderness keeps our desires from outrunning our development. God sends you to the wilderness or some circumstance causes you to go through a dry time so that you can develop spiritually and become what he wants you to become. Lesson number five, it's in the wilderness that you you truly learn how to worship. You don't learn to worship when everything's hunky-dory. You truly learn to worship God when it's hard to worship God. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. And lesson number six, to survive the wilderness, you've got to know where to hide. You've got to know where to go and find uh, that hiding place. We talked about that. And then last week I told you that during the wilderness days, you will receive offers that you are expected to refuse. Right in the driest moment of your life, the offer will come, the phone will ring, the cute thing will wink at you, and because you're dry, you're going to want to jump at that thing. But I told you there are times when you will get offers that in the dry moments of your life, you will be expected to refuse those offers, and you need to learn that. Lesson number eight was that the wilderness will produce offspring in you. you got to figure out whether you're going to allow that wilderness to produce good offspring or bad offspring. And I told you last week that the offspring we want to see produced in you is God-likeness. We want to see you go through the dry moments and allow it to hone you and shape you to become more like Christ. And then finally, last week, I told you that bitter ain't bad. It might taste bad. It might not be enjoyable, but it can purify you and prepare you if you will allow it. So 
We're going to move forward this week. Those are the lessons that we have to learn. But uh, I, I came across a portion of Scripture that I want to read to you because uh, it's one thing to talk about the wilderness, and then it's another thing to talk about the wilderness. Because, see, what I think is that David probably had the corner on the market of wilderness moments. He could express, he could write down and articulate better than anybody else I know what the wilderness is like. And so in Psalms chapter 22, he writes this, and I want you to see what this sounds like to you. This sounds like the wilderness to me. He says, I'm a bucket kicked over and spilled. That's a good way to describe the wilderness, isn't it? He says, every joint in my body has been pulled apart. My heart is a blob of melted wax in my gut. I'm as dry as a bone. My tongue is black and swollen. They have laid me out for burial in the dirt. Now packs of wild dogs come at me, thus gang, the thugs gang up on me. They pin me down hand and foot and lock me in a cage, a bag of bones in a cage, stared at by every passerby. They take my wallet and the shirt off my back and then they throw dice for my clothes. Hey, you, God, don't put off my rescue. Hurry up and help me. Now, what does that sound like to you? To me, David was having a bad day, right? In fact, he was having a bad year. He was having a bad time in his life. He was having these wilderness moments. And so he learned to survive. And what that teaches us is this. We can learn to survive. So I want us to begin this journey. And I want us to look this morning at the top 10 survival tips. Let's learn these tips real quickly. Survival tip number 10. Be prepared. All right, no more excuses. That's what this whole series has been about, is you better prepare for the dry place. Right, come on, bump your neighbor say, come on, you got to be prepared. you got to be prepared. I've warned you, this short little white, you could say skinny and long hair, I can't say that part anymore, uh, has warned you over the last three weeks that you will go through the dry times, and so you might as well get prepared. How do I prepare? Well, for one thing, you may want to keep the notes that you've taken over the last three weeks, I hope you've taken notes, and put them somewhere where you won't lose them. I know how most of you do. You throw them in your car and you never see them again. About a month later when you clean your car out, you throw all the notes away. You better hang on to these notes because you need to be prepared. You don't need to have any excuses. Do you remember the old adage that said this, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that is true in your spiritual walk too. If you don't plan on at some point, I know you're dancing now, and I know you're shouting now, and I know you got goosebumps right now, but the day is coming when you won't feel anything. And so the first survival tip is this, be prepared because if you don't prepare, what will happen is when the dry time comes, you will fall into depression or you will fall into fear, or you will fall into anxiety, and your stress will go way up, and you will make silly decisions. And so the first survival tip is to be prepared. So I want you to say this with me. This is going to be our, 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 our chant right now. Are you going to say this with me? Everybody going, okay, here's what we're going to say. We're going to say, I will have a dry season, all right? I'll, I don't want to say that. There's power in, the, in my words, right? I understand that. Don't matter if you say it or not, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, so we're going to all say this together, but I'm going to add something to the end of it so we're, we're all together. All right, ready? On the count of three, I will have a dry season. One, two, three. I will have a dry season. So, come on, so I better prepare. There's your lesson. Survival tip number 10, prepare for the dry times because they are coming. Survival tip number eight or nine. There's the whole menu for you. 
Survival tip number nine, let someone know where you are. I can maybe flash somebody with this mirror. Now, if I wanted to get the attention of an airplane that might be looking for me, it's not that hard to do. You take your fingers and you put the airplane, just lodge them in behind your fingers. So if you're the airplane and I'm trying to spot you, and then you simply flash in between your fingers, lining it all up with the airplane. It works like a charm. <laughs> Okay, one of the common mistakes I see is that as people go through dry times, they fail to let anybody know where they are. Okay, come on now, let's be honest. Most of us as Christians have this act we put on. We know how to come to church, and when everybody says, how you doing, I'm blessed, brother. And we could have just gone through the dry, the you know, the knockdown, drag out fight in the car. We may have been on the way here and, and thinking, I don't have enough gas to get there and I can't afford $4 a gallon. I don't know how to make ends meet. My kids are driving me nuts. I want to quit my job. My dog's at the vet. My, my, whatever. You may be having the worst month or week or day of your life and we'll come in here and we'll dance and we'll smile and we'll raise our hands and we won't be honest with anybody. We make the common mistake thinking that everybody, that we can fool everybody or that they won't be able to figure out where we are. I am saying to you that one of the key elements for you to be able to survive these dry seasons is to let somebody know where you are. You got to signal somebody. You need to let somebody in on your secret. See, we think that people will judge us and think that we're less spiritual if we're dry. But the truth is, is that we're all going to be dry sometime. And so God has put us together so that we can find prayer, so that we can find counsel, so that we can guard one another. We've got to be honest with our condition to trusted folks so that they can help us look at each other and say, I got your back. I got your back. See, um, we've got to signal somebody. One of the saddest portions of Scripture is found in Psalm chapter 142. David said this. He said, I, I had no man to watch for my soul. He had nobody he could signal and say, I need help. He had nobody he could go to and say, you need to pray for me. I need you to spend some time on your knees with me. I need somebody to watch out for me. That's the saddest portion of Scripture in, in all of the Bible. But the truth is, is that some of you are living that portion of Scripture. You won't let anybody in on the fact that you're dry and that you need help and that you need someone to, to, to spend some quality time praying for you. Listen, we can't read your mind. And we certainly can't read your heart. And so what I am saying to you, look, God has put us together for a specific purpose to guard one another. You are going to have to let the people you sit next to on a Sunday morning know, even if you're dancing, even if you're shouting, at some point you are going to have to let the people next to you know, I am dry and I need your help. God has put us together. We've got to signal one another. That's lesson number nine. Lesson number eight. Survival tip number eight, find shelter. Okay, if you've watched these shows at all, 
uh, Man vs. Wild. There's a new one on called Alaska Experience. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's pretty cool. If you've watched Survivor Man, you know that one of the first things that they do when they get out into these survival situations is they construct some type of shelter because they understand that if you are not sheltered, you will be exposed and you will die in the wilderness. And so what I am here to tell you this morning is, is if you are going to survive the wilderness, you've got to kind of find some structure that you can get in. And what I am going to declare to you this morning is this, the structure that God has provided for you to hide in is the local body, the church. That is why in Hebrews we are instructed to not forsake the gathering together of ourselves. Why? Because when we come together, God allows us to find shelter here. In other words, we're supposed to be helping one another, not hurting one another. We're not supposed to be pointing fingers at one another and gossiping about one another and laughing at one another and ridiculing one another. We are supposed to be sheltering one another so that this becomes a safe place where we love on each other and we shelter one another. You can't find that at the local bar. You can't find that at your fitness club. You can't find that at work. You can't find that in your apartment complex or your neighborhood. Where you're supposed to find that is at church. And so I want to tell you this morning, if you're going to have to find a shelter, this ought to be the place that you do it. You can't do that if you church hop. Boy, that went over huge. That got about to the second row. You can't hop from one church to the other and expect to find shelter because we're never tied to one another and we never get into a relationship with one another and we try to hide by being anonymous. It doesn't work. The only way that God provides shelter for us is when we get locked arm in arm, heart in heart, and we develop relationship with one another and we shelter each other. That's what this whole thing is about. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, I'm your shelter. Lesson number, or tip number seven. Survival tip number seven, don't panic. All right, let me tell you. One of our tendencies is this. When we start going through a dry time, we freak out. Y'all remember that old 1970 song? Ah, freak out. Come on now. I'm not that old. Come on, everybody. That, uh, uh, now y'all got me. Y'all left me hanging. All right, everybody that remembers, don't freak out. Raise your hand. Come on. Be honest. See, see, I knew I wasn't the only one that was that old. All right. See, the truth is, is that what we do is we take that as our theme song when we start to get dry. We sit in our car, and we may not actually play it, but we sit in the car, and we go, ah, freak out. Now, we don't do that, but what we do is we go, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I don't, and we freak out. And I want to say this to you in all honesty and training. Don't freak out. Just take a chill pill. Everybody is going to be dry. You're not a freak if you're dry. You're normal. So you can't freak out. The enemy likes to use fear. He wants to cause us to be so afraid that we're not going to be able to make it that we lose good sense and we make silly decisions. Don't panic. Keep a level head. You remember what they taught us in grade school. If you ever get lost, don't, get, don't freak out. Just stay where you are. It worked when you're lost in the, in the desert. It works when in your spiritual walk. If you are dry, don't panic and make stupid decisions. Because that's what we do. We get into these dry situations and we want to make silly decisions like I'm going to leave my spouse and go find somebody that loves me more. 
Or we get into a dry situation in, in our finances and we go, well, I'm going to run to the bank and get a home equity. We've been, can you tell we're in Financial Peace University? We do stupid things that, that devastate us for the rest of our life and we don't know what to do and we make silly decisions. Don't panic. Take a deep, come on, everybody do this. Go. Take a deep breath. It's okay. You're not supposed to stay there the rest of your life, but it's okay to be dry occasionally. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, it's okay for you to be dry. Come on, we need to let each other off, off the, the, the hook. Our favorite portion of Scripture out of the entire Bible during a dry moment should be this. You ought to write this down. If you're living in a dry moment or if you're just trying to prepare for one, you ought to write this portion of Scripture down. Are you ready? Here it is. This too shall pass. Right? It's not the last stop. It's just a stop. And if you're dry, don't freak out. This too will pass. It might be tomorrow. It might not be tomorrow. It might be a month from now. But at some moment in your life, this too will pass. Don't panic. Survival tip number six. Y'all going to know this song by heart. Survival tip number six. Get rid of the non-essentials. First time ever I've decided during one of these survival odysseys that I'm going to uh, leave behind a camera case. It's just too much stuff to carry in this heat. So I'm going to just pick the most important stuff, leave behind my telephoto lens, my uh, third big camera and uh, just go with the bare essentials so I don't have to carry too much. All right, that's the lesson. Get rid of the non-essentials. How many of you know where I'm trying to teach you this is if you're going through a dry time, you've got to get rid of some stuff. You've got to simplify your life. This is what I've learned. Some of our dry times are extended beyond what they're supposed to be because our lives are so heavy with the weight and concerns and cares of life that even though the dry time should have ended two months ago, we're still dry because we've got all these non-essentials. So some of the the things I, I, I wrote down is this, is during a dry time, you may need to evaluate your schedule. Some of you are running around like crazy, doing all these things, and during the dry season of your life, you may need to cut back on your schedule because when you were healthy and everything was fresh and everything was renewed in your life, doing all that stuff wasn't that hard. But now because you're dry, what happens is your busy schedule can not only deplete you, it can kill you. You may get to the point where you'll never be able to recover if you don't check your schedule. Some of you just need to go home and, and take some things out of your life. It can happen in relationships too. How many of you know that during the dry season of your life, there may be people you don't need to spend time with? There may be some people in your life that you need to delete their cell phone number and quit emailing them back and forth and quit answering their calls and quit going out with them on the weekend because during your dry times, if you spend too much time with them, they can devastate your life and discourage you so bad that you can never recover. So you've got to figure out in your own life what is important. Write that down. You need to go home and calculate what is essential. Do I need to get rid of the TV for a month? Do I need to unplug my CD player for a month? Do I need to get rid of my iPod for a month? What is essential in your life right now? Get rid of everything that is not assisting you in moving forward and only deal with those things that are helping you to become healthy again. It is in the dry times that you've got to dispose of some things.
Come on, touch your neighbor and say, get rid of some stuff. Could be people, it could be things, it could be time management, but do whatever you got to do to get rid of the non-essentials so that you can continue this journey forward. Survival tip number five. Survival tip number five. Be familiar with your survival manual. A survival manual is worth its weight in gold. In fact, if you go to the Survivor, Survivor Man website, one of his survival tips is this. Get a quality survival manual and carry it with you all the time. Right? Because it gives you a wealth of knowledge to be able to survive any situation. And you say, well, Steve, what does that have to do with spiritual things? Well, the fact is, is that you need to be familiar with your survival manual. The Bible very clearly states that we perish for the lack of knowledge. And we go, well, God, if you would give me a word, I would know how to survive the dry times. Guess what? You have in your possession a survival manual. The problem that most of us have is we are not familiar with this thing. So that what happens is when we become dry, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. How can you fight the enemy if you don't have a sword? How can you have light for your path if you don't know His Word? How can you be nourished if you can't live off of the words that are proceeding out of God's mouth because you're not even reading the Word He's already given us? You've got to be familiar with this. This is about you reading your Bible. This is not about me reading the Bible to you on Sunday. This is not about your pod leader reading their Bible to you. This is not about your spouse having daily devotions and reading the Bible to your family. This is about you getting your survival manual out and becoming familiar with it so that you know what it says. For instance, just just happened to, to pull this one out of thin air. Like I was wondering, how do you get out of a dry time? What are the steps? If I'm in a dry season, what do I do to become refreshed again? Guess what? It tells us. It tells us this in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 9 through 11. It says, if you get rid of unfair practices, if you quit blaming victims, if you quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourself to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life. Where? In the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. In the survival manual, did you hear it? This book tells us how to become refreshed. That's what a survival manual does, is it tells you how to endure the dry times. He says if you quit pointing fingers, if you quit blame blame, if you quit gossiping, if you'll do good things for people that are dry and hurting and down and outers, that God can refresh you. How did I know that? I read the survival manual. Right? Y'all are looking at me like deer caught in headlights. Do you understand that if you are not familiar with this, you will perish in the wilderness? You can't wait till you get dry and start reading it. That's what we want to do. I won't read it for six months, and then when I go through a bad time, oh, i got to get a word. i got to get a word. Well, if the word was in you already, the dry time would reveal that word, and you would have the word already, and you would be armed for defense. The only way to make that happen is to know your survival manual. Survival tip number four. Survival tip number four, learn the lessons of the wilderness. 
All right, you've got to learn the lessons while you're in the wilderness. How many of you know what happens when you flunk eighth grade? You got to do it again, right? You get to go back. Let's everybody that, no, I'm not going to do that. I was going to say, everybody, I was kidding with you. I was going to say, everybody that flunked, raise your hand, but I don't want to do that to you. All right? If you flunk a grade, I saw that hand way back there. No. If you flunk a grade, you got to go back and take it over, right? And so it is very important that while you are in the wilderness, you learn the lessons that God sent you there to learn. Because I got some really bad news. Are you ready? If you don't learn the lesson, you got to go back. How many of you want to always keep going back to the same dry moment, same dry moment? I don't. So it is imperative for me that if, if I am in the wilderness, I've got to recognize and discern that God has got me there to teach me something. He's wanting to develop me. And so it is on me to learn the lesson so that he doesn't have to send me back. For instance, I had a lady in the ministry that I was in several years ago. There was a lady. You could have sold tickets on her spiritual walk because she was like a roller coaster. She, she would get close to God, and about every five to six months, you could just put it down on your calendar that at about the sixth month, she's going to bottom out, and she's going to de- be dealing with the same issues and the same problems again. And then she'd get through it, and she'd go right back up, and she'd be a spiritual giant for a little while, and then about six months later, boom, she'd bottom out, same issues, same problems. Same. She never learned the lessons that God sent her there to learn. So she was wasting her time and wasting our time, and I could never convince her to learn the lesson. I'm so dry, I don't know why. I do. Learn the lesson. Okay, back up to high time. Six months later, I'm so dry, I don't know why. I can tell you why. You dummy, you didn't learn the lesson the first time. Right? And that's what we do. And so I am trying to teach you right now why if you are going through a dry time or you find yourself about to go through a dry time, wake up, smell the coffee, look around and say, there must be a lesson in this that God wants me to learn so I can figure it out and I can learn it so that I can graduate and I never have to go back to that one again. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, it's time to graduate. Time to learn the lessons. Time to get it down. Survival tip number three. Survival tip number three, find food and water. What I have come to understand and and as I observe people, what I have understood is this. When we become dry for some odd reason, we begin to avoid or seem to, to come to this place where we avoid the very things that we should be doing. If I'm dry, I want to stay home. I don't want to come to church. Everybody there is going to be praising the Lord, and I don't want to be a part of that. If we're dry, we continue to listen to what we've always listened to on the radio and wonder why we're not refreshed. When we're dry, we don't read more. We read less. We go into this cocoon, and we avoid the very things that we need the most. What I want to encourage you this morning is this. You should read more. You should listen more. You should praise more. You should pray more. You should spend more time at church when you are dry. You've got to dig out food and water everywhere you can find it. See, what they say on these shows is this. When you're in a dry time, you will use more energy than you normally would. 
When you are in a dry time, they say this on these shows, you will need more nourishment during the dry moments than you do on a normal day in your life. And the same holds true for us spiritually. If you are in a dry spiritual moment, you will need more nourishment during that moment than in any other moment in your life. And so I've already told you that you need to read your word, but that's not what I'm saying. You, that's just a given. You've got to be reading your word. What I'm talking about now is you've got to go dig out food from unknown, untapped resources. That means you ought to be listening to people you don't normally listen to. You ought to be getting sermon series that you listen to in your car instead of listening to the stuff you listen to now. You ought to be turning off the movies and watching good Bible teaching on a regular basis. You ought to be reading every book about your spiritual journey that you can get. Why? Because it provides food and water and nourishment to your spirit. And it will allow you to have the energy and the resources necessary to get through the dry moments. You've got to find food and water more now than you do when you're in a normal walk with God. You've got to have more nourishment. Survival tip number two. Survival tip number two, use magnification to start a fire. Okay, you've seen these guys do this. They're out in the wilderness. They need a fire. What do they do? They get like this guy, this survivor man, I just saw him recently. He got a a pop can, and you know the bottom of the pop can is kind of concave, and he got it, and he put it in the sun, and he turned it just right, and the magnification off that aluminum produced a fire, right? Well, Steve, what does that have? Listen, if you are in a dry moment, let me tell you one of the ways that you can produce a fire. You need to begin to magnify. What am I saying? You need to magnify God more when you are in a dry place than normal. How do you magnify God? He's already bigger than anything. He's already the biggest thing in the universe. He's bigger than the universe. How do you magnify God? When we magnify God, what it does is it doesn't make Him bigger. It makes our perception of Him bigger. See, when we're going through a dry moment, sometimes we forget how big God is. And so if we will take time to magnify, it reminds us that God is bigger than my dry times. That's why in Deuteronomy over 19 times, Moses tells the people as they're going through the desert and the wilderness, a dry moment, he says to them to remember what God has done. What's he saying? He's saying, magnify God. I know you're dry. I know you're barren. I know you don't like walking in a circle. I know you don't like the rut. I know it's a miserable moment. But at this moment, if you will remember what God has done for you, if you will magnify him, he will swell up in your own perception of him, and you will understand that he's bigger than anything you're facing. That's why in the Old Testament, David could say in Psalm chapter 34, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. He's wanting us to learn to magnify. Now, uh, uh, there's an instance that happened in our lives a few years ago uh, in this cl- particular classroom. It was a Sunday school classroom. There was uh, a group of two and three years old, uh, three-year-olds, and they sat in rapt attention. Okay, you know I'm lying already at that point because you know they never sat in, right? But, okay, they weren't in rapt attention. They were two and three years old that were doing their own thing, and the teacher was, was involved in the lesson. And she was talking about this experience where Elijah comes to the widow. You remember this story? He's been down by the brook and he comes to the widow and he says, make me something to eat. And you remember her response? I don't have anything to eat. I've just got a little bit of oil left and I'm going to make a meal for me and my son and then I'm going to die. Remember all that? She teaches this lesson and the two and three year olds are doing whatever they normally do. And 
Finally, she comes to the end of the lesson and she asks this question. She says, um, why should the widow not have been afraid to give up her oil? That's the, that's the question she asked these two and three. Why should the widow, should, why should she have willingly give her oil over with no fear? And this brilliant, blonde-haired, blue-eyed little boy by the name of Devin Ely. Come on now, give me some props. That was my little boy. We weren't there. She wrote us a note and told us, without hesitation, this was his answer. Because God is bigger. Let that sink in. Because I've already told you this, but let me say it differently this time. There will come a moment in your life when the oil will run low. And in that moment, if you can remember to magnify God and understand that God is bigger then all your dry moments, it will produce a fire in you. Because when I think about His goodness and all He's done for me, even when I'm miserable and don't know where to turn, if I think about His goodness and what He's done for me, it makes me want to shout. I can't help myself. I may be going through hell on earth and everything may be broken and destroyed and I don't know where to turn. But when I stop and remember, you know what? God's brought me through this before. God's helped me through this before. God rescued me here. God pulled me out of a pit right here. God helped me to survive right here. When I do that, I can't help it. Fire starts. We got to learn to praise God during the dry times because when we praise God during the dry times, fire is created in us and it produces that fire in us. We need to realize that God is bigger than all we face. Come on, elbow your neighbor, say, Magnify God. Magnify God. Come on, tell somebody else, you need to magnify God. Come on, I sense this in my spirit. Touch somebody in front of you or behind you and say, You need to remember what God's already done for you. We need to magnify God. Now, here we go. We're going to be at survival tip number one. And since we're coming to the last one, I want you to sing the song as it plays with me. This will be your last opportunity. I want you to hum this little. I hope you've been doing this. I hope you, I've been. I hope it's got caught into your spirit and you can't even get it out. Of, all right. So survival tip number one. Here we go. Come on, everybody sing. Just don't do that on the phone. Survival tip number one. Develop a survival plan. All right, you got to develop a survival plan. All right, did you know the reason that Les Stroud, who is the survival man, survivor man, do you know why he can do what he does? He spends a week out in the desert with no provision, no help. He's all by himself. He sets his own cameras up. Do you know why he can do that seven days? I went and watched a show called The Making of Survival, Survivor Man. You know how he pulls through? He plans for months. In fact, he tells us in the show that what he does is he goes in ahead of time to the location and he spends several weeks with the natives and learns what plants he can eat, what plants he can't eat, what, what animals are poisonous, where they're located, what he should watch for. He makes plans for months, for seven days. And so the reason he can survive is because he's planned it all out. And what I am saying to you is that most of us, when we go through a dry time, we just kind of float. We just haphazardly try to endure. And what I am saying to you this morning is you need a mapped out, written down survival plan. In fact, I'm going to give you homework. I don't do this very often. Here's your homework. Get your pencil and your paper out right now. I'm giving you your homework. You're out of school, most of you, for the summer, but you still got homework. All right, here's your homework. When you get home, sometime during the next few days, I want you to write out a detailed 
survival plan. Not if the house catches on, on fire, I'm going to go out this bedroom window and meet in the front yard. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your spiritual walk. What is my survival plan so that the day I wake up and I realize I'm not as fresh as I was, I am in a dry moment, this is a tough situation, and, I, and I'm at wit's end. You can go out and you can pull this piece of paper. Here's some of the examples. I, this is what I wrote down. Number one, if I'm in a dry season, I'm going to read the Psalms every day. I'm going to go into my prayer closet, I'm going to get my word out, and I'm going to turn to Psalms because David understands the dry times, and he can speak to me in my dry moments. I'm going to read the Psalms every day. Number two, I will purposely touch base with an accountability partner daily. Because how many of you know you need shelter? You need somebody that will help you, protect you, right? So the second step is if I'm dry, I'm not just going to try to wing it on my own and I'm not going to try to fool everybody. I'm going to go call somebody that I really trust and I'm going to pour my heart out to them. Why is that important? Because that's why spiritual giants all over the place fall is they had nobody that they would contact. You've got to have it mapped out. In fact, what you probably ought to do as part of your homework this week, if that's one of your steps, you need to call that person and say, will it be okay if I'm in a dry moment and I call you at 3 a.m. in the morning, you won't think I'm a freak. You will understand that you're part of my survival plan. Step number three, I will not miss church during this time for anything. Because you can't. You can't make it if you're not with God's people. So step number three that I wrote down is if I'm in a dry moment, even if I happen to need to go on, a, on an actual vacation, I still go find a body to worship with because I'm so dry right now. If I miss, I may be devastated. So part of my survival plan is this. I will not miss church for anything. Step four I wrote down is I'll get involved in outreach like feeding the hungry, because Isaiah said that if I will help those that are down and out, I will find myself being refreshed. So even though I don't think I have anything to give them because I'm so dry, I will force myself to go get involved in helping somebody that doesn't have as much as I have because there's this weird thing that happens when you help somebody outside of yourself that's le less fortunate than you, something happens in you. Number five, I wrote down, I will ride in my car with no music, no radio, and I will not talk on the f cell phone so that, I, so that the solitude that I need will work its purpose in my life. Because what happens is in a dry moment, if I'm not careful, I will crowd myself with noise so I don't have to think about the fact that I'm dry. And so one of my survival steps is this, is that if I'm dry... I'm going to get somewhere and be quiet so God can talk to me because you remember where we're supposed to hide one of the things? Solitude. And then the last I wrote, I, during a dry moment, if I, if I sense myself going into a dry time, I will fast TV during that time. Because I recognize for me, my wife, don't say amen too loud, will recognize for me that I am a TV-aholic, and if I'm not careful, I will miss what God is trying to teach me because I am overcome by the TV set. And so for me, one of my steps, this is not your plan, this is my plan. And your homework is to go home and write down your plan. What will work for you? Don't just stumble through the dry times and miss the lessons. Come with a survival plan so that you can have a recipe for disaster. So that you can face this thing and get through it. I went to Survivor Man's website and this is what he says on this. This is a quote from his website. He says this, survivors keep their wits about them. They believe that they will survive, and listen, and they decide on a plan of survival and see it through. The reason some of you haven't been surviving the dry times is because you didn't have a plan that you could work. You've got to have a plan, and you've got to work the plan.
What would get you through the dry moments of your life? You need to write those down and keep those handy. You can survive. Come on, I want us to say this together. We're going to say, I will survive. Right, going back to the 70s again, I think. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Okay, you want to sing? Yeah, you want to sing? No, we're just going to say this together. I will survive. Okay, on the count of three, because I want you, you got to believe you'll survive. Then you got to have a plan that you can work so that you will survive. Are you ready? I, come on, I will survive. Come on, let's do this one more time. I will survive. That is, that is God's word to you this morning. I want you to stand with me. This is how we're going to close this series this morning. As I was praying, as I was preparing, I really sensed that this was what God wanted us to do this morning as a close. I don't want you to go anything, anywhere when you're done with this because we're going to take up a very special offering that I'll tell you about in just a moment. But I want us to do this. I want you... Now, now, oh man, I, the dangerous thing about doing this kind of stuff in church is because we do the same thing every time. And you'll, you'll automatically go to the same people you always go to. I want you to get outside your comfort zones a little bit. I want you to find two or three at the most people, and I want you to huddle up. Now, don't move yet because I'm going to give you instructions right now. When you get with those two or three people, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for one another, and I need you to be honest with one another. If you need to look at one of the three people in, or two people in your group and say, I'm dry, now's the time. Now's when you need to be honest enough to admit that you're going through a dry time. Signal them so that they can begin to pray with you. Let's get real practical. One of the things that you may need to do is you may need to exchange email addresses right now or you may need to exchange cell phone numbers right now so that you can account on one another and talk to one another and help one another get through these dry moments. Now, I know what we want to do, especially the guys. We don't like to be vulnerable, so we're going to fake it. Or we get real uncomfortable, and while everybody goes pairs up, we kind of pull back and get busy. I don't know. We'll start filling with our wallet, checking our time, playing with our cell phone, whatever we have to do to not do this. If you're that way, let me just tell you, you won't make it through the dry times. Or if you do, it will be more extended than it should have been. I don't want you to spend years and years and years and years and years. Do you know there are people that go years in the dry time. I don't believe that's God's will. It's a season because we won't learn the lessons and we won't do what's necessary to get out. I want you to pair up or triple up, whatever you need to do, and I want you to be real honest with each other right now and allow the Holy Spirit to use you. I want you to talk. I want you to pray. And then when we finish this, when I feel like we're done, I'm going to bring you back together. We're going to take up this special offering this morning. Come on, move. Find two or three people that you can trust that you can rely on that will pray for you that will hold you accountable if you're visiting with us I understand it's a little tougher but somebody adopt them into their group real quick if there's a visitor standing next to you just introduce yourself and pull them in real quick Get four or five if you need to. I don't care as long as you're honest with one another.
Father, we lift one another up in prayer this morning. We ask that you would help us to learn to survive, that you would help us to learn to endure, but be all, also be productive during the dry moments of our life. We recognize that we will be dry, but we also recognize that we can survive. I pray that this body would be a place of shelter, a place of protection, where we love on one another and help one another through the driest moments of our lives. Help us to be honest with one another. Help us to take the the masks off and allow one another into our lives so that we can survive these dry moments and become everything that you want us to become. And Father, I pray that these groups that met together to pray and to share, Father, my prayer is that they would become people that we can trust, people that we can lean on, people that we can call in the time of need. We can bear our souls with one another and we'll care for one another minister to one another, love on one another, and assist one another as we walk through these dry moments to learn the lessons that we need to learn. And Father, we praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, if you can find your way back to your seats real quick, we're going to do a couple things real quick, and then I'm going to let you go, and you can meet back up with your groups if you need to, and that'll be cool. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.